Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a fan of beer, you might also be a fan of wrestling. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. I'm not sure, but look, coming up as part of Good Beer Week, Renegades of Wrestling are teaming up with Moondog Brewery for Brewery Brawl, which takes place on Sunday, May 21st. It's going to take place at the Industry in Coburg North. It's going to be a good time. And here we've got Dave and we've got Aisha, who's the current heavyweight champion of all the women in the world. Well, there's a different way to start the show. Welcome to episode 177 of The Cool Room. Uh, I'm your host, David Griffiths. Excellent to have you all on board. We've got a great show lined up. And that voice you heard there was that of Lord Andy Coyne, uh, a long-time friend of the show, been on a few times now to talk some of his favourite beers, been on a few times to talk wrestling, and that's what he's going to be doing a bit later on in this episode. Uh, he and I went out to Moondog the other night, caught up with Aisha, who is the title holder, the women's title holder in the Renegades of Wrestling here in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, and the reason we did that is because as part of Good Beer Week, Moondog Brewing, Renegades of Wrestling have teamed up. Uh, they're going to be putting on Brewery Brawl 3, uh, and we love this event. Uh, I've been to the previous ones. It's great fun. Don't think that you need to be an expert in wrestling to go. Don't think that you need to be an expert in craft beer to go. Uh, it's really a fun way to be introduced to both of those worlds that I love and enjoy so much. Uh, and I'll be there. And I know that we've got a contingent of at least 10, 15 cool room people coming out. So if you're looking for a bit of fun and, uh, and looking for some friends to go with, rest assured that there'll be friends there. Uh, you'll learn a whole heap uh, about uh, Aisha's journey in wrestling and about what's coming up for that event a bit later on. So tune in and stay tuned for that one. Uh, it's a ripper night. Uh, Andy and I, I've got to say, we had a fantastic night out at Moondog, who were very generous. And, of course, out at OG, uh, their original brewery, we uh, got to sample and taste a whole lot of great beers. It was great fun. Then we went on to the Royston uh, because Pint of Origin had started it is donkey's years since I've been out to the Royston, but a thank you to them as well. No special favours, uh, just to make it clear, we, we enjoyed it. They didn't pay us, they didn't give us any freebies, that's more than fine. Uh, we were out there and just enjoying, like every other punter who was out there, enjoying regional WA breweries uh, and um, just a really fun event. And I really encourage you to get along and support all of the Pine of Origin venues. Uh, it's There's some beers that you just don't get your paws on otherwise so go out and do that make sure you come and join us for not just brewery brawl three make sure you come and join us on friday night at gab's in melbourne uh, we'll be really looking forward to getting together there we'll take over some tables and have an area where cool room friends new and old can gather and we'd love it if you can come along and be there with us and don't worry, you'll hear plenty more about the two live shows that we're doing at Beer Deluxe during uh, today's episode. Uh, we've got the Hair of the Dog Breakfast. I was in at Beer Deluxe the other day talking to the team in the kitchen, sampling a couple of the beers uh, that we're going to be having for breakfast that morning. Uh, in particular, a shout-out to Dollar Bill. Uh, I got to taste their smoky peach beer. Uh, go back and check the archives a couple of episodes ago. 
for the discussion of that beer. It was tasting delicious, genuinely. Uh, it's, there's a couple of beers. There's that one. And there's the berry acid test from Three Ravens, and I'm just weighing up which is the right beer to start off our lineup for breakfast with and which one I'm going to use as a palate cleanser along the way when we need our taste buds are revived. They're both fantastic beers for that kind of thing. So we'll get onto those. Uh, and later on in the podcast, we're going to be joined by my good friend, Mr. Warren Wu, uh, for one of our online masterclasses. This one with Christian from Your Mates uh, up in Queensland. A really interesting interview. We're going to split it across the next two episodes. Uh, and Christian, just a really nice bloke to have a chat with, as you'll hear. And the story of Your Mates and their exponential rise in a very short period of time uh, is just amazing. So hopefully you'll get to listen in and enjoy that. It would be fantastic if you had the right beers in front of you when you were listening in. Uh, so please go to our Shopify, search Cool Room Podcast Shopify, and you'll be able to grab a six-pack of beer for your mates from delivery from us. That's a great way to support the podcast and make sure that we can keep doing this. Uh, and that way you'll have the right beers in front of you as we discuss what you should be experiencing in your glass. Before we get underway with all of those things, though, what a packed episode. I really hope you're enjoying these episodes where we're trying to pack a lot of different content in. Uh, we're going to be having a chat with both uh, Carbon Sellers and Hopheads. The, uh, the interviews run together, uh, but talking about the events that they've got coming up in the next little while. Uh, with Carbon, of course, it's a pint of origin and some amazing American beers, uh, and we touch on the Black Box, which is the special project that we've been working on with them, uh, which is going to be what we're featuring here in the podcast in July. 12 beers from 12 of Australia's most outstanding breweries, all big, fun things. Uh, you can find out more about which beers they actually are on their website. Uh, you can buy them from my, uh, my Shopify, which I would greatly appreciate because quite genuinely that's what allows uh, the podcast to keep going. So we talk about all of those things. And then literally as we're finishing that interview uh, with, with Ben Duval out at Carbon, the team from Hopheads come on, so we tag one in, one out. I was going with my best wrestling attempts to get a little bit of smack talk going between them, but they're all such nice guys that I didn't succeed on that front. But then we talk about what Hopheads is going to be doing with IPA appreciation, or appreciation, depending on how one would like to pronounce it. Uh, and I repeatedly refer to it as being part of Good Beer Week and Pint of Origin. And I am, gentle listener, repeatedly wrong. So that event is running out there between the 19th and the 28th of May in Melbourne. Um, look, always a fantastic time. Use the opportunity to go out and catch up with the guys at Hopheads and enjoy what sounds like an amazing lineup of IPAs. I think they've got about 80 coming through the three venues all up. Not an opportunity you get often, and uh, I know I don't have to convince uh, the Cool Room listeners who are regular listeners, uh, but if you've not gone out and had a visit to some of those venues, make sure you do so. You'll probably see lots of Cool Room friends out there. Okay, look, let's get into those interviews. As you can hear, there's a lot to stick around for. I really hope you enjoy the show. Please rate and review it. Please subscribe and please follow us on the social media so that you can find out about all the fun events that we've got coming up. 
Well, it's excellent to be welcoming another old friend onto the show. One of my favourite Bens from Carwin. There are obviously a few of them, but it's outstanding to be welcoming Ben DeVale back onto the call room. Ben, my friend, how are you? I'm great. I'm, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me back. Great to be back. And I'm feeling uh, strangely calm on the precipice of Pine of Origin with, uh, you know, more than half my beer not here yet. But <laughs> it seems to be part of the course. So. The, uh, it's that old Bernard, a bit Bernhard Brecht line that I like, which is the man who laughs is yet to hear the terrible news. So, you know, if mm-hmm. you're feeling calm about the world, it really just indicates that you haven't quite come to terms with the disasters that are impending. Having said that, yeah. you've got so many things happening in the next few weeks that no matter what you can deliver, uh, there's going to be some fantastic opportunities to enjoy some really fun events and fun beers. We're going to have a bit of a chat about that today with your pint of origin uh, events that are coming up and maybe a bit of a hint about that little project that you and I have been working on behind the scenes with the black box. Um, We've obviously had you on the show before. People should go back and check the archives for the full Carwin story. But for people who are new, uh, and for that matter, overseas listeners, can you paint a bit of a picture about what Carwin Cellars is and where it is? Well, it's a a bit of a unique place in the sort of northern suburb, the inner northern suburbs of of Melbourne. So we're about seven, seven to eight k's due north out of the CBD of Melbourne. Um, you can just pop on the 86 tram and you can ride it all the way up um, High Street until you, until you reach us. But um, in terms of the place, it's, um, it's a bar, bottle shop and online business really that focuses on, on craft booths of all kinds and working with small producers. And um, we've become quite well known for our events in the bar, um, for our eclectic range in the bottle shop and some of our um, special packs that we put together, like Canbend and the Black Box, for our um, you know online audience all around Australia. Absolutely, Canbend is one of those uh, events and online events and online boxes that I think excites people a lot. The Black Box is sort of Christmas in midwinter Canbend, I suppose. Uh, the venue itself, though, is fantastic. I got to come out and spend a bit of quality time there last Saturday with you and the good people of Hop Nation and many dogs. Yours included, yeah. My, my big dopey one included, who worked his way into the bar eventually. I knew he, I knew he would. I say yeah, that like... Yeah. <laughs> I had no doubt. Um, yeah. I say that like it had nothing to do with me. That's what I like. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, it was a shame it was 13 degrees, but everyone got into the spirit. We cranked the heaters and we sank a few uh, rat pups. A few rat pups, and it was also good. I yeah. managed to have one of those delicious dark harvests from Bridge Road. And if you go back and check out episode 176, you can hear a conversation between me and Ben from Bridge Road about that one. Um, let's let's swing our eyes onto the important matters that are coming up. Mate, how many events do you have coming up for Pint of Origin? I believe we've got eight distinct events, <laughs> um, which is not unusual for us. I mean, it's over 10 days. And I think this is the fifth year we've been the American venue for Pine of Origin. Um, so probably not as many actual individual beers as we've attempted in the past, because I want to actually try and get them all on tap. Um, but still 70 plus different kegs will get tapped up over 
over the 10 days. And as I said, about eight, eight unique events kicking off tomorrow with um, KCBC from, from New York. We're doing the Victorian launch for them. Let's talk then about those ones. I mean, first of all, 70 kegs, mate, where are you going to store all of those? Or are you almost happy that perhaps not all of them have arrived yet? Almost happy, I say. Yeah, no, part is tactical because I'm getting some delivered next week. So, you know, it's yeah. semi, semi-planned. But um, they're all, they're for the most part, apart from one 58-litre uh, keg of um, Sierra Nevada Bigfoot barley wine. Oh, a favourite. That's a favourite. It's a 10-year-old keg, by the way, from the from the sellers of Sierra Nevada. But um, most of them are the 20-litre uh, slims, so you can pack quite a few into the cool room. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. You are a man who has... Do, people don't understand necessarily when they walk into a bar or a pub just how difficult it is to have all of these things in your head and to be figuring out how it's going to be working. But as you say, tomorrow at 12 o'clock, you've yes. got the KCBC launch party. What can you tell us about KCBC and what's going to be uh, on tap for that event? Yeah, so KCBC is short for Kings County uh, Brewing Collective. So they are uh, funky little brewery from uh, Brooklyn, New York. Managed to pop in and visit them on uh, Ben Carwin. Uh, myself went on a bit of a US pilgrimage in 2019, uh, where we started at the Firestone Walker International and ended up in New York. Um, so yeah, we popped in there. It's a pretty, just a, a pretty, pretty small. I mean, it is you know, you know, Brooklyn, New York. It's like you know, pretty, pretty expensive real estate. But um, they had a really eclectic, line, eclectic lineup of beers, quite IPA heavy, but just seemed to nail nail every style. So it's great to see them come to Australia for the first time. I was going to ask that question. I don't think I've yeah. seen them out here before. Yeah, we're going to have quite a few. I think we've got nine nine beers on tap, and then about eight beers in package. The kegs have arrived, which is fantastic. The package <laughs> is not here yet, so fingers crossed for the package. Um, I mean, you know, it's only, what are we now talking, 22 hours to go, so... Uh, you know, it's a long time in, you know, beer land, so... It really is. Um, yeah, that's, so that, that's how we're kick, kicking off tomorrow. So lots and of IPAs, is that what I'm Lots hearing? of IPA, yeah, I'm just looking at the list here. It's about 50% IPA, a couple of big pastry stouts, a couple of heavily fruited sours, as seems to be, you know, the rage at the moment. Absolutely. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun for the first of your eight yeah. events. Um, but you're not you're not stopping there, are you? Because the weekend there's even more well, things. Exactly right. I mean, we'll fill the rest of our 32 taps with a few things we've been squirrelling away. So you'll have to come in and check those out. Particular highlight is a keg of atrial rubicite from um, Jester King. So we managed to get our hands on uh, the only two kegs that came into the country at the start of the year, and I've just been holding on to them, especially for Pine of Origin, so looking forward to that. And, but, and just, I've got to sort of say, you know, obviously we yeah. have a range of, of listeners yeah. from really experienced craft beer connoisseurs. Yes. People who are quite new, and I know there's a lot of people who are listening in to these podcasts to help plan their Pine of Origin and Good Beer Week events. Yes. Yes, the king, if you've not tried it before, really is one of those big brands that people should make a point of trying isn't it they've yeah they've got to be the oh, one of the most well-known farmhouse breweries i mean in america at this point um but they i i managed to visit 
Jester King back in, well, maybe 2014 and met, met the owner and he gifted me a bottle of, um, of the Atrial Rubicite, which is their raspberry um, mixed fermentation barrel-aged sour, and it just blew me away. And I said, you know, I said it was my, my favourite beer at the time, so I think I've moved on to other beers, but always holds a special place in my heart. So when I was able to get a couple of kegs, I absolutely jumped at it. It's look. That's a fantastic opportunity for people to come out and uh, and experience that. You've got all of these other breweries from America lined up, though. I'm looking at other half. I'm looking yeah. at twins. So uh, I'll give you the the Cliff Notes version. Let's let's yeah. go. Through this. Yeah. So on on the Saturday, we've been uh, lucky enough to receive a, a shipment of other half from New York, and it's their all from their their barrel program, which we've never seen in Australia before. We've only had several shipments of their much-hyped IPAs. Um, and Maverick Imports bought this in a little while ago and he's been saving it just for us. So um, we'll have seven beers that we're presenting in a... I think there's one ticket left for this event on Saturday, which is the other half boozy brunch bottle share. Um, so half the beers will be uh, mixed ferment um, table beers with different additions. And then half the beers will be big pastry stouts with two of them um, barrel-aged as well. And one of them, a particular highlight, would be the churro hot dog bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout. So <laughs> There's there's no flavours that they're missing in, uh, in that particular beer, is no. there? No. So we've done our best to do it justice with a very over-the-top American-inspired savoury slash sweet brunch. So really letting our chef run wild on that one. Um, and then ticket holders will have the opportunity to buy those beers in package after the event, and then we'll uh, put some in the bottle shop and then offer them up to our mailing list uh, the following the following week. That sounds truly awesome. What else have we got yeah. coming along? Yeah, so on, for Mother's Day on Sunday, we're doing an evil, evil Twin party. So we've got a shipment of Evil Twin New York City beers. So they're from Queens in New York. Um, they're Typical Evil Twin, just just crazy concoctions. But we're also co-launching on, on, on the same event. We're doing the launch for Evil Twin Australia. Now, so, I've heard about this. To yes. Educate me and the listeners about what's going on and what's planned there. Yeah, well, the importer for Evil Twin happens to have a brewery in Sydney as well. And so they've struck an agreement to brew Evil Twin down under. Um, obviously, Yepe is behind... The whole thing does all the all the the recipe design and signs off on everything and all the the packaging design and all of that. Um, and the first two beers coming out are a mega hopped IPA and the Australian version of their famous um, Imperial Stout. That sounds like a, a really special little thing, and that means we're going to be seeing those styles of beers out here, hopefully even more than we currently do, but an opportunity to be drinking the American versions uh, out off tap uh, at Carwin over the weekend. Yeah, do the comparison, absolutely. Yep. As if that wasn't enough. Yeah. Battery so steel. Yeah, so Monday, Tuesday are a bit, bit more chill for us, so sell through some of the fantastic beer we've got. And then on Wednesday we've got... Battery Steel from Portland, Maine, just doing a, a smallish showcase with them. Uh, so IPAs, fruited sours, about five taps, but I've got about eight beers in package as well. So 
We've never poured them before. They have been in Australia before, but looking forward to giving them giving them a crack. But then uh, come Thursday, we've got a very special event. We've teed up with Sierra Nevada, so they have their own uh, member or membership in in the states where beers are made especially for the membership. And we've been offered um, some beers from their Alpha Hop Society. Now, these are super rare. Now, for people who want to learn a little bit more about the Alpha Hop Society, I was a lucky enough bloke last year to have some of those beers come out when we were doing our masterclass at Beer Deluxe, and there's a version of that podcast in our archives. Um, but these are these basically don't come to Australia, do they? Certainly not. First time they've come to Australia, I... We're probably getting the only kegs in Australia. I haven't actually asked, but I'd say there's a fair chance of that. And, uh, yeah, so, look, I've got a moist coconut imperial stout, which is bourbon barrel-aged. I've got pigs in a kilt barrel-aged imperial stout. I've got a rum barrel-aged imperial red. Um, Some pretty cool-sounding stuff. And then I think I mentioned earlier we've got a 2013 vintage uh, keg of Bigfoot barley wine, so... And the, again, I'm sure everyone who's listening in knows Sierra Nevada. If for some reason you've been living under some craft beer rock and you've never heard of them, I, a, I don't know how that would have happened. But B, you know, these are the these are the beers that we don't get here in Australia. We're familiar with a wide range of Sierra Nevada, but probably not by any means the full range that you get exposed to in America. No, it's a pretty special opportunity. But. Always got a soft spot for Sierra Nevada for what, what they've done. And uh, our first pint of origin back five years ago, we happened to have Ken, Ken Grossman, um, the man himself, with his brother Steve um, for a masterclass. So always, always feel like I owe him for that. Absolutely. Look, I have one of the first beer events that I ever ran just as a volunteer at the Bowls Club was a Sierra Nevada uh, afternoon, as many people have heard before. So... It's sort of like the beginning of my craft beer event story. And given that we're doing all of these plugs, I will use this as an opportunity to plug again the event with Steve Grossman uh, that Ben just mentioned there at Beer Deluxe on the 31st of May. He's going to be in Melbourne at Federation Square, Beer Deluxe, with me. I think it's about $35 to get in the door and to hear that story from one of the original people at the brewery family. Um, just a great opportunity and to taste some of those amazing beers. If you're, if you're new on your craft beer journey, just a great opportunity to come and learn where so much of the American craft beer scene started. Absolutely. Get amongst it. Um, yes. You've got more, though, but wait, you want oh, more. Well, always, always. <laughs> so Friday we are launching a brewery called Root & Branch from New York. Um, they, they wouldn't be widely known in Australia, but they would be widely known amongst a, um, certain part of the beer community that enjoys, uh, getting cans sent over through, uh, whatever means necessary. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we, we don't, we don't condone breaking international importation <laughs> laws, but we know some people do. But yeah, extremely hyped IPAs, hazies. Um, this will be one of our busiest events for sure. Um, we were only going to be getting cans, so eight different beers in can, and then a push and push and pushed, and they've managed to send us four kegs as well. So awesome. be, that'll be pretty crazy. Um, and then, yeah, leading into our last, last event on the Saturday, um, we've teamed up with 
none other than um, Katoomba's Mountain Culture. And they've been, they've been very busy collaborating with a whole heap of, of US breweries. Can you give us a bit of a, a few clues as to who you might be talking about there? Well, I can tell you some of their beers have been released already, but the centrepiece of this event is we managed to organise a collaboration between Bottle Logic, Mountain Culture, ourselves, and, um, and Ford Hops, the uh, Australian beer importer. Um, so yeah, we got on a, a zoom together and it was just, it was just phenomenal. The, um, the bottle logic guys were so forthright and they, they helped the mountain culture guys to devise a, a recipe and a plan for a, a v- very big, um, imperial pastry stout. And basically they were, they were such an open book saying, this is, this is what we do. These are the adjuncts we use, the amount we use and how we use them and, yeah, the mountain culture guys were pretty pretty blown away. So, really, really, really looking forward to the, to tasting that beer. It would be called. This is a little exclusive for you. It'd be called Imperial Logic. Oh, I like. I like I a lot. I don't think it's been announced yet. So, well, we love our scoops. Normally, they happen about nine o'clock on a Thursday night. Here, they are yeah. happening at two o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. Um, but mountain culture, just expert Australian brewers. Lots of fun links to overseas breweries we know. We had them. Uh, we had Dissolver from North Carolina on recently, which we got through Forward Hops, and uh, there's some right. links there as well. So, um, look, mate, are people allowed to camp out, you know, in the backyard? Are, people, are sleeping bags in the bar okay? Because it sounds like people won't need to well, leave. So for that event, it's actually we're starting off with a, a master class, a whole bar master class, which we very rarely do. So 11 a.m. till 2 p.m., which is sold out. But at 2 p.m., we're uh, opening the doors to the public and we've got a whole tap list of these collaborations, some mountain culture favourites and limited releases, and have also saved up uh, four barrel-aged kegs of Bottle Logic we'll be tapping for the day. So it's going to be pretty heaving, I think. It sounds amazing. And then what happens after that? Do you go to hospital? Do you have your liver transplanted? You know, Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we've learned from previous experience. Don't do any events on the final Sunday because everyone's just over it. Let's just drink good beer. <laughs> Absolutely. Unless, of course, you're silly enough to decide that you want to go along to, um, to some of the events that are kicking off on that Sunday. It's just a massive time for beer in Melbourne. I'm, I've got your Facebook open and I thoroughly encourage people to go along and check out the Carwin Sellers Facebook, uh, of which there's only one now, I think. A couple of weeks ago, someone set up their own one, I seem to remember. Yeah, we did a little competition for the, for the black box, so I should have seen it coming, but, you know. That's, well, that's, that's where I was going, because if you go onto the Carwin Sellers mm. Facebook, you go to the events, you'll see all eight of the events that we've just discussed there, and you'll be able to find out more information about each of them. But what you'll also see is that there's four fantastic black box tastings coming up. And, um, well, what about us? That's a segue, isn't it? This is going to be a pretty magic time of the year as well, those first two weeks of July. Four podcasts, four online sessions tasting these beers that you in particular and I uh, have put together from... 12 of Australia's most outstanding breweries. This is super exciting, mate. Well, you've pretty much said it all, haven't you? But 
first of all, thanks <laughs> I didn't for, leave much, did I? Thanks for getting on board and collaborating on this year's box with us. It's great to be able to take it to the next level and add that interactive element. It should be really good. Uh, you know, this is a, it's a dangerous game to play here, but we've got 12 breweries involved there. Are there any in there for you that are sort of, you know, is there a favourite child? Can I ask that question? Is there, is there a brewery or two in there that you're super looking forward to? Always. Um, I'm very excited for, you know what, I'm very excited to see what Goodland produced for it, especially with Jimmy's pedigree of working with the barrels of Demolin. Um, um what he's put out so far has been fantastic. One of the most underrated breweries in the country and the beer that he's, that he's put together. I won't spoil it. Sounds very, uh, maybe slightly challenging, but very exciting. Uh, look, I completely agree. He was on the last episode with us, 176, and we didn't yeah. give anything away other than that he has basically now run out of barrels of things and he's going to have to spend the next couple of years restocking all of those barrels because he's used everything that is uh, super fun that he's had tucked away. And I think that just yeah. speaks to, to the pedigree of the beers that we're going to be tasting so many other fun breweries in there and um, some new faces as well for both people to the podcast, but even the yep. Fox Fridays and others that um, particularly, you know, have sort of hit Victorian yep. and mainland shores really hard over the last six months, 12 months. Um, they're going to be in there. Right. But, yeah, certainly some new faces as well. I mean, obviously we did the first Black Box last year, so it's good to good to build on that momentum and have some of the, the most well-known brewers of dark and barrel-aged beer in Australia back. But, yeah, we've also got, you know, Dangerous Ales are in it this year, King River, Slow Lane, um, Bright Slow Lane, I love. Uh, there's no... Yeah. There's no secret there. We get them on the show every year around Oktoberfest time. But yeah. this is some of their... We've never had a beer like this from them on the show before. No. Well, I'll give you credit for that one. It was your insistence that we went to Slow Lane. So thank you. Unless the beer doesn't turn out great, then I'm glad. <laughs> <you>. yeah. I am <laughs> very confident it will turn out great. Just, it, um, sounds, it sounds mind-blowingly good, actually, so... It does. We've got Boat Rocker, we've got Deeds, we've got so many other great uh, breweries involved. Some really oh, yeah. Great things there. yeah. I just think there's a lot of a lot of interest in in barrel aged dark beers at the moment. Unfortunately, we've seen a little bit of interest sort of wane on you know mixed fermentation and barrel aged sours to a certain extent. I just think the market's perhaps smaller than what a lot of breweries might have hoped for. But I think there's still plenty of space to grow for, for barrel-aged dark beers and we can learn a lot from the American market where the breweries push it a lot harder than what they do here. But, we, you know, there's a few breweries that are catching up pretty fast. There's, uh, we don't want to give away what the actual beers are, but mm -hmm. rest assured that they're amazing. There are virtually no packs left, but if you get in contact... Uh, either with Carwin directly or with me, we might be able to sort you uh, sort you out something. Um, and it's just going to be an amazing time. Each of the brewers will have the other beers, I think is the really exciting thing to say. And that means yeah. not only will they be discussing their own beer, they'll be able to interact and talk about each other's beers at each of those uh, online sessions. That's the bit that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the trash talk as well. So, yeah. <laughs> now, speaking mm. of trash talk, mm. speaking of 
things like, you know, wrestling references and so forth, and that's where my mind is at because tomorrow mm. night I'm off to, uh, to Moondog to interview some of the renegades of wrestling uh, title holders before Brewery Brawl as part of Good Beer Week. But, Ben, as you and I have been sitting here discussing what's going to be happening for Pint of Origin at, uh, at Carwin, We've had some interlopers come and join us in the Zoom room. Uh, mm. We're joined by Adrian. We're joined by Hopheads. And um, I'm sort of thinking wrestling style. We might do a tag in, tag out here and say, Ben, thank you for your time. We really look forward to joining you out at Carwin for Pint of Origin. Gentlemen from Hopheads, welcome to the room. How are you both? Or are you both muted? You are both muted. <laughs> That's even better. No trash talk. <laughs> there, we ah. <laughs> there we are, gents. Here we are. You've met Wheat before, haven't you, Dave? I, I have indeed. But if you, in a second, we'll get you both to introduce each other just so that we can reacquaint the audience. But I didn't know whether you wanted to do any smack talk on the way out or whether this is all right. happy, good beer week and uh, pint of origin time in the city, in Melbourne. No, no, we're, we're, pretty, we're, we're pretty friendly. We like to think no, no, no smack talk. Just like good luck with everything, Ben. Oh, same to you, Adrian. No, we're, we're, we're friendly. We're, we're mates. I'm really disappointed to hear that, but uh, <laughs> the, the question, Adrian, is have all of your kegs arrived yet? This is what we were discussing with Ben, the difficulty of getting kegs in the door. Um, yeah, have we, but, I mean, look, they, they're coming. They, they, we, 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 have, we, have feel, we have a feeling that like most of them will be here in time, but you know, given how we've uh, we've structured our week, I think I think we'll be okay. I think we will be okay. Nice, you're as relaxed as me. It's weird. Yeah. The the phrase we yeah. think they'll be here in time is the. Yeah. Uh, I reckon that's exactly how people are feeling at the moment. <laughs> uh, oh well. Ben, feel free to stick around if you like, but thank you for being on the show today. And well, No worries. I might duck off, but thanks so much for the chat. Loved it. No problem at all. I'm just going to keep the recording going here and um, we're going to get on to talking about Hophead's favourite uh, bar of ours. We love to go out and spend quality time out there. We've done some great live events. But for people who've never been to Hopheads before and have no idea what we're dealing with, gentlemen, can I get you just to briefly introduce each other and, most importantly, uh, tell listeners where they can find Hopheads and then we'll get on to talking about the events that you've got coming up. Um, so to my left is our um, beer ordiner, orderer extraordinaire, Wade. So Wade works out of our... Our alternatives. A lot of a lot of uh, what's coming this week uh, is down to Wade's uh, perseverance in uh, seeking, sourcing, and chasing people for beer. So, uh, if anything goes wrong, it's Wade's fault. It's just just as how. <laughs> um, if there's not enough beer, it's Wade's fault. Like I, I'm just I'm just here. I'm just. I, yeah. This is why Adrian's not stressed about the beer arriving in time because it's all me. I'm stressed. Um, this is Adrian. Right, he's the owner. Uh, we're uh, located in Point Cook, uh, Altona, and Yarraville stores all over the place in the west. Um, yeah, so and an absolute institution now in the Melbourne craft beer scene. Uh, everyone looks forward to what you guys do, generally speaking, but a pretty special time of year coming up in the Melbourne craft beer scene. 
It is. Yeah, we we always we always like Good Beer Week, you know, before we got involved um, with uh, Good Beer Week as uh, like as a venue. Uh, loved going to all the events, you know, like we've been quite um, lucky, quite happy to have become a bit of a like a fixture type event now during the, the week. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. And let's start to discuss what it is that you, you guys are planning. You do things a little bit differently because you've got the three venues. What, what evil plans are in Wade's mind? What kegs have you got coming and uh, what can we be looking forward to? A, a great many. It's, uh, I think we've got 52 breweries involved this year. Only, fi- only 52. Only 52. I think there's a grand total of 85, 86 different beers lined up for our 34 taps over the nine days. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of lot of changing and a lot of, you know, mixing it up throughout the week and just seeing what people are interested in and kind of trying to keep it fresh for the whole nine days. So what day are we kicking off and what's going to be happening at each of the venues on day one? And then how does the process work from there for people who are unfamiliar with the Hobbeds style? Okay, so uh, we are running IPA appreciation for, I think now, the fourth year uh, in a row. Um, IPA appreciation is basically... um, Like, as the name suggests, it's all about... It's just about all about big hoppy beers. Um... It's an event that takes place across all three of our stores. Um, and yeah, for it's like, um, you know, like a tap 90 tap takeover, uh, uh, for just IPA. Um, the catch, the cool bits are their prizes to be won. Uh, <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we, we, every year for at least for the last three years, this included, uh, we have, um, you know, we, we, we have like, uh, we play this game called uh, Beer Bingo, where we give you, you know, you come to a venue, you pick up a bingo card, and at um, when you go, you get a pot of a beer, we stamp your card, you get a line of beers, you get a free uh, once a year uh, limited edition IPA appreciation T-shirt. Uh, we would have loved to have shown it to you today, but we don't have it on hand at the moment. It's coming just like our kegs. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we have, and if you get all, all 25 uh, numbers stamped, um, you get a very limited, very, very cool IPA appreciation hoodie. So this These is the one I'm wearing is, um, is from the first year. So this is not the hoodie. This is the first year grand prize. It's like a little bomber jacket. Hold it up to the microphone because that works really well on podcast. You better, uh, I don't know. Oh, so you can see it. Yeah, uh, can, you, can, you, can you hear that gentle listener? <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was video as well. Well, just for me. I'm, I'm the special one who gets to see the video. Yeah. So, yeah. So this, um, yeah, we get a, a nice custom with your name. Um, IP appreciation hoodie as well. And that is a signal to the world that you are one of the Melbourne craft beer connoisseurs, isn't it? That's the, you, can, you can spot people with those jackets from a mile away and you know that they must be dedicated to the cause to get that, to get that jacket. Indeed. Yeah. Now, this is always one of those questions. I, I asked a similar question to Ben before, but it's a bit like asking you to choose your favourite child. 
are there particular IPAs that are coming or particular breweries that are coming that have got you excited this year, even though you may not be able to say when and where they'll be on uh, over the nine days? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's some pretty interesting ones coming out from a few breweries that always tickle my fancy. I think Lost Palms have a, I think it's mango and passion fruit or peach and passion fruit milkshake IPA. Uh, you know, just amongst the sea of the New Englands and West Coast IPAs, it's nice to try those interesting ones. Uh, and same goes for New England out of Urala, have a, a honey infused hazy IPA, which I think sounds sounds pretty cool. They did one for our IPA event two years ago, which was really nice. So it's a kind of a remix of that original recipe, I, I think. I don't think I've ever had a honey IPA before, so that might, or a honey New England IPA especially. That would be a, a quite a different experience. Yeah, so hopefully it's fantastic. And Adrian, is there anything that's exciting you in particular, a favourite child? Maybe more... Um, like, you know, the fact that West Coast IPAs are coming back into vogue a little bit more is, uh, is getting me quite excited. You know, it's nice to see, like, there's a fair few, uh, you know, just traditional-style West Coast IPAs on, on the menu uh, this year as compared to years past. I think, uh, not that I'm a disliker of the hazy IPA, but I think, you know, like, West Coast goes back to, to my beer roots, and so... Um, looking forward to, to having as many of those as possible. It's funny, you've, you've virtually stolen the next question that I was going to go to, which is talking about the way that the IPA styles have changed over the years. Obviously, the rise of New England IPAs is something that often is talked about, but we've really noticed on the show here in the last year or so, both in the US and over here, that rebirth of the West Coast IPA in a slightly changed format? Is that something that you've, you both have noticed? Uh, yeah, I mean, in the sense that the people who are slightly newer to the beer game, IPA game especially, say in the last four years, have always kind of came up on hazy IPAs, New England IPAs, and now getting to that point where they've had so many and they're so adjusted to hop, hoppiness and bitterness that they're making the change to West Coast where so many of us originally started on IPAs that they've, they've gotten over the juice phase and they now just really want to be focused on the hops. So I think there is the haze is kind of not fading away, but they're, the hazy people are now becoming West Coast people as well. Yeah, we really noticed that. And I think sort of a, a slight change to the recipes, perhaps a slight reduction in those sort of huge levels of alcohol, extreme hoppiness that perhaps we saw towards the end of the West Coast phase number one, 10 years ago, seven or eight years ago, maybe, where it had sort of become like a chili eating competition as to how much hops you could pack into a beer, but really now sort of emphasising that drinkability, enjoyability and sessionability of beers that are probably coming in sort of at six or seven percent uh, rather than eight or nine or ten percent. We don't want to give too much away, but, you know, when I say we've, we went back to West Coast roots, there are a couple of those big West Coast boys that might be uh, rearing their ugly head to knock you about a bit, Dave. So, you know, uh, while the, the IBU wars are over, there are still people hanging about that's, you know, well and truly there to, to remind you that those days aren't that far behind. 
Oh, well, see, that's important. You know, as a, as a fan of things like, you know, it's great to see Metallica has put out a new album and it's great to see they're exploring some new spaces, but it's also great to see that they've got a couple of really old-school 70s or 80s type 80s Metallica songs on there as well, just to remind fans and new people to the show where everything started. You need to have that memory as well. Folks, let's uh, make sure that people know where they can find you. Can you first of all explain to us uh, where, you, where you are on the socials and then where you are physically and um, that way people can make sure they can come along and enjoy nine days of pretty amazing IPA goodness. Right, so we are at um, on Facebook, uh, Hopheads AU, if you want to look us up. Same uh, Instagram handle at Hopheads AU. Um, if we've got three stores all littered across the west side of the bridge, uh, our original store is in Point Cook. Um, second store is in Altona, and the brand new, newest one is your favorite little haunt in Yarraville. It is one of my favorite haunts. We've done some great live shows there, uh, over the time. It's a top spot. I love them all. Don't get me wrong. I do often drop into Point Cook when I'm out delivering beers in that way, but I tend to do that unannounced, whereas uh, uh, particularly in Yarraville, I tend to make a big announcement before I come out. So, uh, look, really looking forward to those. Um, make sure when you're looking for the Hopheads Facebook page that you do put the AU in because there are many different Hopheads Facebook pages now for individual stores and overseas ones as well. But if you go there, you'll get a rundown, particularly of the IPA appreciation but also some of the other fun events that you have in terms of uh, open mics and um, vinyl nights as well. Indeed. Gents, thanks so much for your time today, and um, we really look forward to being out and visiting for IPA appreciation, um, and good luck to all of our cool rumens uh, who are going to make uh, an effort not just to get a cool T-shirt, we love T-shirts here in the show, but also those outstanding jackets. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks, mate. Before you listen to this interview, there are some important wrestling terms you should know. Uh, first of all, what does face mean? It's a good guy in a wrestling match. What does heel mean? It's somebody who wants to poke you in the eye and do anything possible to win that contest. What does Goldberg mean? I'm too young for that. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's I'm a too, wonderful. I'm too old for that. <laughs> um, Goldberg was a big muscular tank of a man, and basically, due to his limited ability, he would just steamroll over you and win the match under 40 seconds. A shout-out to all the Goldberg fans out there who are really, really angry with me. Paulie, I know you're listening. And feeling their joints. It's, uh, look, those are the words you need to know. Stick around for this interview. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. You're going to learn everything about Brewery Brawl 3. You're going to learn everything about Aisha's journey through the world. You're going to learn everything about Lord Andy's drinking habits. And then you're going to be able to come and join us all when the core room visits Brewery Brawl 3. Come and join us on that very special day. We'll all be sitting together. We'll all be drinking great beers and we'll be watching some of the best wrestling that's going to be happening in Australia this year. 
Well, here we are. It's episode 177 of The Cool Room, and we're at one of our homes away from home. We're at it, Moondog, not Moondog World, Moondog OG. We've had some great times out here over the years, many happy memories, uh, but we're looking forward to booking in some more happy memories as we talk about uh, some of the great things that Moondog has lined up for Good Beer Week. And I've got one of my favourite collaborators in the whole world sitting beside me. It's been far too long. Lord Andy <laughs> Coyne, welcome back to the show. Welcome back inside the cool room. The whole world. I, I was going to say, considering you've never left the country, it's a hell of a compliment. But I, uh, I've left the country on occasions. <laughs> often New Zealand does not count. <laughs> anyway, but, but thank you for throwing to me. And obviously we are here in the bowels of Moondog's basement. We're in that very beautiful venue if you're looking to find somewhere to get married in. Now, hang on I'd a second. How are Bell's beautiful? This is a bit of an insight into okay. the English mentality that I think sure. we just had. Um, heavily worn furniture. There are wooden barrels behind me. Pretty flickering lights above Bells me. and, and barrels. Uh, we like alliteration here in the And room. stout on tap. Is that not the definition of beauty? <laughs> it is. It is, my friend. It's very good to see you. For people who don't know your and my uh, collaborations, again, just like Moondog, go back and check out the archives. There's 176 episodes of the podcast back there. And there's all sorts of things still online. I think if you search in YouTube a Snapmares and yes. things we shouldn't do in pubs, you will find all sorts of video footage of uh, Lord Andy and I. So, yes, I'm, I'm very heavily involved in the wrestling scene. And I think one of my favourite things I ever did in uh, Dold, sorry, it did in your pub day. You, you've, you've, you've got a real I've had a few bit. I'm, I'm currently good. drinking the Moondog uh, Fruit Salad IPA so that's why you might be hearing the slurring right now but one of the best things I ever did in your very pub was to hold a chilli eating contest between wrestlers which saw gore, projectile vomit, beer, milk and chilies all over the floor. Your wife looked thrilled. She she was not thrilled, and uh, I was the one who had to clean it up. <laughs> that was unthrilling. It wasn't the worst thing I ever cleaned up because of one of our shows. Because what I did learn out of that, and I don't want to break, yes. I don't want to break kayfabe as we break say it. in industry too much. <laughs> but can I tell you that cleaning up a mix of sugar glass and beer the day after? Uh, you do an event is not a good thing. That's my tip to, we, to young people. We hosted a phenomenal bar brawl between Caveman Ugg and the Jurassic Punk Sid Parker. That will live in infamy. But li listen, let's let's go straight into this. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're here at Moondog, and obviously, Moondog will be partnering up with the Renegades of Wrestling for Brewery Brawl Sunday, May twenty first, taking place. At the Industriek in Coburg. That North. sounds classy. That North sounds of like Melbourne, yeah. Go. Doors are at 3 p.m., so don't turn up late in the evening because you might not get in. Um, but listen, listen to some of the matches. Rat Daddy defends the Renegades of Wrestling Championship against Caveman Ugg. The Bastard Brothers themselves will take on the Velocities, three stages of hell. Now, I'm very to... glad the Bastard Brothers aren't <laughs> going to be here tonight because I was going to ask them whether they are the Australian equivalent of the fabulous Rougeaus of the 1980s, and that's the kind of thing that would end up with me being in a bin in Duke Street in uh, Abbotsford. I know them. It's I a love very them specific dealing. location that has happened. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, we have the real main event right here. Because at that event, 
Asia will defend the women's championship against the big, bad, nasty Delta. And Asia is in the brewery tonight. Asia, thank you for joining us. I appreciate that tonight it's tanning night for all the boys, but thankfully you are here to represent Renegades of Wrestling. Thank you very much for joining us. How the hell are you? I'm great. I'm great. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's happy to have a chat. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you can't see this, but Aisha, she's reeking of class. Mm -hmm. She's coming here. She's got the black polo neck. She's got the gold chain. She's looking a bit like Dwayne The Rock Johnson when he was <laughs> okay. in his 20s. Okay. Oh, he went there. Uh, okay. All you need is the fanny pack and... You're there. But I was going to say, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling brave right now, but when the, when the uh, microphones are cut, she's probably going to stick me in a submission hold and break my shoulder. But that's Maybe. okay to get the scoop. And, but look, let's move quite seriously. Obviously, great show coming up. You are entering the Renegades of Wrestling's next show, Brewery Brawl, as the women's champion. It's your first singles championship, from what I understand. The last time I've interviewed you, you won a major tag team championship here in Australia. This is your first singles title. And I think what must be very cool for you is that you beat... Shazza McKenzie for yes, it. I did. And I'm sure for you, as a professional, Shazza McKenzie, in my opinion, is one of the hardest grinding people when it comes to taking wrestling so very seriously, trying mm -hmm. to make the most of every opportunity. What did it feel like for you to get to face Shazza, for starters, um, but obviously almost get that passing of the torch moment when you finally became the champion? Yeah, that was really good. Um... That was also my first time wrestling Shazza McKenzie, so even that in itself was a huge thing. Um, yeah, Shazza's paved the way for, for us women. She's been around for a long time, at a time where I guess women's wrestling wasn't at where it is today, um, and she's built that for us, and yeah, she's been the standard. Um, she's been who we've looked up to, so it was, it was great to almost have, yeah, that passing the torch, especially, I'm pretty sure that was her last match in Australia before she moved over, and yeah, winning um, my first singles title was insane. Like you said, I've won tag gold in the past. Um, but yeah, even though it took six, almost seven years for me to get that first singles title, um, it meant a lot, um, especially at a place like Renegades where their women's division is so deep. They have a lot of women. It wasn't the fact that I won this championship because I was the only like woman there. I, I got it because um, Renegades Wrestling believed in me. So, yeah, it was a big, big thing for me. Um, big milestone for my wrestling career. I was going to say, I mean, obviously, just to give a little bit of background. Um, so, Shaz McKenzie has obviously been a competitor in Australia for several years. She's had the, the occasional tour in America. She's even had the honor of appearing for NXT and also AEW. Um, in fact, she was on the very first pay-per-view, no less. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I think um, several female competitors in Australia obviously looked up to her, and she is now continuing to lead the way because Absolutely. she's left Australia. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's call it as it is. Yeah. She's left Australia. <laughs> she's uh, she's gone to new pastures, and she's now marking a, uh, a sort of a path for herself. And do you find um, Shazza? I mean, obviously, you had to wipe the floor of her. Obviously, <laughs> your championship. Yeah. But do you still see her as a kind of a you know, um, someone to inspire you for where you want to be in the future. 
coach? Um, absolutely, because as soon as she went there, she was already on Ring of Honor, um, all these other big shows. Um, even, we'll get into it later, but even for my American trip, she was someone I went to for advice and, like, how to navigate the whole thing. Because going to another country is a whole different ball game from just being where, where you're from. Um, so, yeah, she continues to be someone that I look up to, and she's killing it. Um, yeah. I was going to say, my personal opinion is there aren't so many people I put on this very top pedestal, mm. but for her, when it comes to professionalism and her drive, it's Absolutely. incredibly impressive, mm -hmm. and uh, I think she's a great role model regardless of gender, frankly, when it comes to making the most of your career. Yeah. And you were touching on a few things there that I want to draw more into, <laughs> but I want to get through some other questions before we go into the proverbial American dream and sort of how to get the most out of there. Uh -huh. But let's let's just come back uh, to here in Australia. Now, when the last time I interviewed you, um, obviously you'd won the tag team titles with Murdoch, but now your stable has grown. Yeah. You're now a part of the ambush. <laughs> and obviously Murdoch's there. We've got Emma Asman, who's obviously making some great successes for herself. Absolutely. There is the man, the legend, the myth that they call <laughs> Jarvis as well. And I want to ask a little bit about the ambush and mm. how it all came together. I mean, were you a group of friends who knew each other beforehand? I know there's some links with PCW where you used to train. Yeah. And Murdoch and Jarvis also came from there as well. But was this something that Renegades put together and went here's an idea that we've got, or is this something that you guys put together and you went to Renegades and went, well, we just want to dominate? <laughs> um, from memory, I believe, yeah, it was something that Renegades came to us um, for the idea. But luckily, we are actually all friends. Um, obviously, me and Murdoch are obviously very close. Um, Jarvis is a very close friend of ours as well. And yeah, Em and I have actually known for a while, even... Before we came to Australia, um, I did a show in the Philippines when I was over there for PWR, and um, he messaged me um, because he saw that I was on that show, but also I was in Australia, and he was telling me how he was going to um, be coming to Australia real soon. Um, so yeah, I've known Emin for quite a bit now, and yeah, we're all close. So I guess we it's, we're incredibly lucky that yeah we've been put together. That's great. I mean... I've had a professional working relationship with Emin for a little while now. Mm. He is an absolute gentleman. Jarvis is a little bit of an arsehole, frankly, <laughs> but he, he will take that as a compliment. Yes. And Murdoch, my favourite drinking buddy, he <laughs> lets to go out for a beer. Yep. Uh, he loves a beer. Yeah, I'm told if there's not a beer, he won't drink, is what I'm told. <laughs> so, yeah, just for everyone at home, I... Um, the last time I interviewed Murdoch, or the very first time I interviewed Murdoch, I have a distinct memory of him, me and him going out and drinking a shed ton of beers, only to find out several months later he doesn't drink beer, so I don't know who the hell I was drinking with. But, uh, but <laughs> that no, was him trying beer. <laughs> he was, um, but look, I mean, look, look, I think four very, um, like, like great talents, lots of potential. I know that at the moment, Australian wrestling, very interesting place mm -hmm. in that we've got to start building up some new stars. And I think between yourself and all the members of the ambush, some really promising people at the moment. Yeah. And we want that to become the best that it could be. Um, so thanks for talking about the ambush. But you know what? I'm, I've been really looking forward to this chat because I've not had an opportunity to have a one on one chat with you. Mm -hmm. I wonder how America went. Why did you... Go? Maybe it seems like a really obvious question, but let's get it down. 
why did you move? Well, why did you go to America? What was the reasonings for it? And um, how did it go? Yeah, it was something that I've always actually wanted to do, even before I started wrestling. Um, I guess even when I was thinking about being a wrestler, I knew that it's almost like you had to go to America to make it because that's what, what I've seen people, previous people from Australia that have made it go over there. So that was always a goal. Um, back in 2020 was when I was initially thinking of doing it. But, of course, the world shut down. Bloody COVID. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one who had their plans. It was only you. Yeah, only me. No. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure a lot of you have these plans, which is why you're seeing a bunch of people going over now. Um, but, yeah, um, once, it, like, everything opened up and I saw, um, yeah, you could go, um, you could travel now. It's like, I have to do this now because I've been waiting two, almost three years now, I had to go. Um, well, you're just getting so old now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only 23. Ask, ask, asks the 41-year-old bloke. Yeah, I was going to point that. I'm glad you've at least managed to flag that yourself, brother. <laughs> but, yeah, to have a, um, a bit of a backstory on how it all came about. Um, so, at the time, back in, I'd say, 2021... Or 2022, um, I just finished uni. Um, I got a job straight out of uni. Um, and I didn't really like it. I wasn't quite happy with it. Um, so then, like, obviously, a job searched, um, landed a job. Um, and this was about last year, around March, that I got the job. And I had the option to start in June or March this year. And then I kind of thought about, like, oh, I've been wanting to do this America trip. So I decided that, okay, I'm going to start um, this new job at March. Um, push it back and then this the rest of the year is building up to that american trip saving money um also like getting really good at the gym i got a nutrition coach as well because i knew that training would be um grueling um and yeah at the time i was deciding oh should i go to wrestling school or should i just do a full tour um and yeah after going back and forth and there, I decided that I should um go to a wrestling school over there um take my wrestling to the next level but um, like I also did, I was wrestling there at the same time. Um, so yeah, that whole year was built up towards it. Um, and yeah, I did the whole trip and it was great. Fantastic. And I really want to ask a little bit about flatbacks, yeah. which is where you went training. So just for everyone at home, flatbacks, the main trainers, Tyler Breeze, Sean Spears. Mm -hmm. Now explain who, to all of our craft beer listeners yes. who we're talking about there. Oh, okay. Because so for Ty, some of us, we know fair. who that is. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, Tyler Breeze and Sean Spears were, they, well, they've worked for WWE, particularly as part of the NXT brand. I think they were both guys who had all the potential in the world to be the very, very best. And I think it's fair to say they didn't quite click with what the owner at the time of WWE were looking for. But that's no We know you listen, time. Vince. We know you we, listen. We know you're there, Vince. Hire me. And you're not, I didn't say that. But in seriousness, they're two incredible talents. Absolutely. I personally love both of them as mm -hmm. in-ring talents. I think Tyler Breeze should have definitely gone further in WWE. Um, Sean Spears, I've loved his work in WWE. I love his work in AEW. Um, but these are two very knowledgeable guys. They, they've been in some of the biggest companies in the world. They, they've, they have walked on the path and you went to train with them yeah so i guess the question is is that how would you describe that training because you've previously come from say the pcw academy which yeah. has produced some great talent but there must have been some 
big differences. There must have been some very interesting insights that you got from it. How did you find being under the learning tree of two phenomenal American wrestlers? Um, it was the best experience. Um, the way they teach, um, it starts from the very beginning, from like the very basics of wrestling, but over time, it's eight weeks. Um, by week five, you're doing matches. Um, and yeah, it was great. It was tough. First week was just all cardio, kind of trying to weed out those people. Um, and then, yeah, we um, got more into the wrestling and then the matches. And yeah, it was tough. Um, and But it was good. Um, they were tough on you, but like it was kind of like tough love, trying to push you sure. to your limits. Um, because they, especially Spears, he kept saying, like, you guys don't know your limits there, but we're going to get you there. Um, and yeah, I got... Um, my cardio got a lot better. Um, I gained a lot of confidence. Um, and it was good as well because we had all these resources. Day one, we had Xavier Woods there, and we oh, could man. ask him anything. Um, we were training with the guns as well. Even the yeah. week that they won the AW Tag Team Championships, we were training with them. Um, we had Kiana James from NXT, yeah. um, who previously trained at Flatbacks as well. Um, we were training with her, and it was good to see like an example that came from that school um, to where she is now. Um, and even getting to meet Cassie Lee as well, fellow Australian, that was really cool. Um, uh, I know Cassie. <laughs> yeah, you know Cassie. I know Cassie. Yeah, we. She's yeah, all right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even we got the. Did you get to see her bubba? Yes. Oh, <laughs> so adorable. Sorry, as a dad of yeah. a three-year-old, I'm yeah. up for this. Sort yeah, of stuff. so yeah. adorable, see, so tiny. What it, that's what excites you. Whereas I want to know what you ask Xavier Woods. <laughs> Did you actually ask a question? I'm not even worried about the answer. Yeah. I'm fascinated to know. We're talking babies now. No, oh, no, we moved. We moved. We're back to wrestling. Like, did you ask a question? What question? Um, I was mostly just asking, I guess, the difference of wrestling, I guess, on the indies to, like, TV, because obviously that's, like, the next level. And overall, flatbacks, yeah, they teach you, like, the WWE style, how WWE teaches you, especially because Breeze and Spears was in that system for a long time, so they were pretty much showing you everything. And that was the good thing about going to flatbacks, because you wouldn't learn that stuff anywhere else, because no yeah. one else has, like, gone through that, like, experience, obviously. Mm. So, yeah, it was... In that regard, would you say they were sort of career-focused in that it's like, look, we can, we can teach you to wrestle and we can teach you how to do X, Y, and Z, but if you're looking to make this into a career and you eventually want to get to a major television platform like the WWE, because mm. let's be honest, WWE are kings when it comes to these yeah. things, is that where it differed? It's like, this is how WWE do it and this is the hows and the whys. Yeah, um, that was exactly it. Um, there was a couple, like habits that I had, I'm like, that they were just like, oh, WWE wouldn't like that, or like, yeah. you need to do this, you need to do that. If you, um, especially like, if you had a tryout, you need to be doing these things for them to notice you and to get like, a, I guess, like a tick against your name. Yeah. So those little tip tidbits were really good because if I ever had like a tryout in the future, I kind of know what to expect or what to do, um, how to, I guess, behave yeah. and stuff and is like that. that in-ring stuff or promo um, stuff or a bit of both? Promo, in-ring. Um, I even asked about um, resumes as well, if I ever had to hand a resume. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just trying to ask every question I can, yeah. Lord Andy's suddenly very interested in this conversation <laughs> as, it, as he brushes <laughs> the dust off his, <laughs> That CV's getting dusted off. No, but actually, in seriousness, I, I did have the, the privilege when we did the Progress show here in Australia that I got to commentate with someone who had gone through the WWE system as well. So I took the moment to go, hey, in between matches, is it alright if we just take the mics off and you give me feedback? Mm. And 
I learned a lot from that, where they kind of go, right, WWE wouldn't want you to say X, Y, and Z, or they'd like yeah. you to pause at this point because of X, Y, and Z. And it's just, even if you don't necessarily intend to go to WWE, yeah. But I do hire me, Vince. In seriousness, it's like, it just, look, at the end of the day, I think the more insight you get, the more advice you get, the more um, just knowledge and experience, like, that's that's got to help you massively. Yeah, exactly. Regardless. Yeah, and I even, um, I did a seminar with Gabe Sapolsky as well. And yep. at the time, but I just signed up because I, like, I knew his background in wrestling and how mm-hmm. involved he's been. I didn't realize he was actually back as a talent scout for WWE. So he was giving us, like, a whole lecture about what WWE's looking for, how, um, what you need to do nowadays to be noticed, connect with the crowd. So just that as well, just, yeah, getting these little tidbits um, was cool. And gain feedback from him as yeah. well, because we did, um, during many tryout matches, and then he, um, we did a showcase um, show, um, yeah, at, at the end of the day. And now I can say that I've been booked by Gabe Sapolsky as well. So, yeah, <laughs> stuff like that was like, yeah, cool. Being able to tip those things <laughs> yeah. on your resume yeah. is fantastic. Um, actually, I wasn't initially going to answer this, but I have noticed the way you carry yourself in the ring has definitely changed yeah. before and after your American trip. Yeah. Um, and beforehand, you were a phenomenal sort of like lucha-style competitor. There was, you know, the way you were carrying yourself, but mm-hmm. now devious you're more evil <laughs> you're a meanie is that something that you've carried over from your time in america when you've gone i want to think about what i do in the ring to build that exactly connection? that was a big thing in flatbacks character 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 mm. um even with the promos they weren't so focused on a wrestling promo they wanted it to be about your character who you are yeah. why you're here what makes you dislikable why your face why do people like you and we brought that into our training matches as well. The first question they would always ask, like, who was heel? Who was face? Why were you heel? Why were you face? Did you show, did you show these characteristics and stuff like that? Like, did you, um, did you put, um, yeah, did you put your character into the matches? They'd almost would really critique you if there was no character in your practice matches. Um, and yeah, um, especially. I went to Breeze a lot as well about how he crafted the Tyler Breeze character and I got to hear like the whole um, yeah the whole progression even Sean Spears I asked him how he came up with the perfect 10 yeah. Um, so yeah that was really good and I started to even I always had like a notebook for wrestling like for training or like like spots or sequences and all that but after um, during my time at Flatbacks I also got a notebook just for my character just stuff what they would say what she would do um, and I spent a lot of time, um, like, back in the housing, like, spending time just me yelling in my room just what my character would say, what they would do, even in, like, match scenarios. At this point in the match, what would she say? At, like, and, yeah. Um, it was, I've started to really know my character's voice and what she would do at certain moments. And I've, um, I felt like, I've, yeah, I brought that as I come back. There was a really big turning point for me. I got to do a practice match <laughs> against Tyler Breeze and Sean Spears. <laughs> The day they called... I hope you yeah. Goldberg this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. Spear, spear, jackhammer. <laughs> Why are you here? Oh, well. He was... I was literally going to do this bit where I thought we'd better explain to the normal audience <laughs> what a heel is, what a face is, what a spot is. Heel now is we're a... talking about Goldberging yeah. someone. So, okay, We're going to come okay. back to... No, no, no. Let's just, let's just plough ahead. 
<laughs> what did you do when you were in the ring with them? Um, yeah, so when they called, it was me and this um, one of the other trainees, Marty Snow, um, they called us to have a match against them. And I I got so nervous, always sort of like, what, they want to wrestle us. Um, but planning with them was actually really great. Just seeing how like excited they get and Spears was like, oh, can we do this? And Bree's being like, oh... Do we want to, like, you, like, he can't always ha- remove her spleen <laughs> <No>. now? <laughs> sure. No, but I was almost like, Breeze had to kind of hold Spears back because Spears just wanted to do everything. He just got really excited. Um, but yeah, again, with the character stuff, um, I guess I was struggling a bit on selling who my character was to them. And I think sometimes in training, I can kind of get a little bit shy compared to on shows where you have the presentation the lights and fans um but i did something that wasn't even related to my character but just the kind of energy that i put into how i was in that match and yeah all that i just thought like okay that's exactly what needs to be brought across into my character because i think with the first class character i was kind of just doing the typical mean girl kind of thing um after that, I think she needs to be more outrageous and stuff like that. Yeah. She needs to be more obnoxious because she has this first-class lifestyle. So why wouldn't she be all, like, obnoxious about that rather than being, like, typical mean girl kind of thing? So, Actually, um, before you continue, your mean girl gear is phenomenal. <laughs> Can you just give a shout-out to the costume creator? Because her work is phenomenal. She's very good. Pinfalls and needles. Very good. Pinfalls and we and do... Needles. We will... I, I just love... Like... Last week I was at a, a statue unveiling and there was some uh, there was some gardening done uh, by a women's collective called Shady Lady and I thought Shady Lady would be my favourite name of any organisation. <laughs> uh, I'm just imagining Bob's Burgers. Shady Lady has moved out and Pinfalls and Needles has moved in next door. I was going to say, fantastic. shout out for Pinfalls and Needles. And I will Her say, I do fantastic. have new gear coming into the work, so, oh. yeah. Oh. For Brewery Brawl 3 or a yes. little bit later? Oh. Oh. Yes. God, Pinfalls and Needles will make a big impact in that show. Far be it to mention the show we're promoting here, but it's Brewery Brawl 3. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> Indeed. Sorry, I cut you off there. That's I just okay. wanted to give a shout-out to her because her work yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. And her, your Mean Girl costume that she made for you was, was frankly stunning. Oh, the Clueless one? Yeah, the yeah, Clueless yeah. gear was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. I think you're in the tangent. I've completely. Uh, I think that was the end of what I was going to say. No, sorry, I'll move on. But listen, I think um, it's it's awesome. It must be so brave to leave the comfort of Australia and kind of go. Look, I want to bet on myself. Go abroad, and I'd really like to ask, what's the advice that you would like to give to any of a wrestler, and particularly female wrestlers, when it comes to going to the US? When is the right time to go? How do you go about it? I think the right time to go is just as soon as you can because the moment you get there, all these opportunities come. Um, honestly, when I was going there in terms of bookings, I maybe only had like one or two like the week before the trip. But as I was there, they just started coming in, especially as I was, as I was meeting more people, even um, the Flatbacks crew, we would go and help bring crew for shows and then it would always end up me getting booked on a future show. Um, so yeah, once you're over that, opportunities just come. So you just got to do it. Um, obviously, in terms of the business side of things, you got you need to make sure you got like resumes, um, matches, um, even like a bit of a highlight reel and like your information. Um, 
yeah, you need to have all that ready so that if a promoter wants to use you, you can just send it all through. Promo picks as well. Like, you need to be ready for that. On a side note, as a wrestling commentator, um, God bless Charlie Evans. I remember when I had a show coming up yeah. and I was asking people for notes. Charlie proactively sent me commentary notes yeah. on behalf of herself and her partner, Connor's, Connor Everett. Yeah. Like, seriously, get that stuff done. Yeah, that's done. another thing. If you thing, want yeah. me, or any other commentator, or anyone in the yeah. business to harp on about your branding, yeah. get it to everyone. Get exactly. it out to them. Yeah. It, it, it all helps. Yeah. Um, so, great. So, I've got one last question in regards to America. When are you going back? Because so, I think yeah. I think the promoters need to know when are we taking the belt. Off? <laughs> <laughs> oh, then I shouldn't say anything then. Um, but yeah, the plan is to go back, but um, with the belt, with the just belt. to show it off. Don't tell, don't tell Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the plan is to go back, um, and it will hopefully be sooner rather than much later. So, yeah. A good vague answer. <laughs> That's a very, good. That's a very <laughs> intense question right there. <laughs> Now, let's talk about something quite serious here because you've got a big match ahead of you. Renegades of Wrestling with Moondog Brewery, Brewery Brawl, Sunday, May 21st at the Industry in Coburg North. Doors are at 3 p.m., by the way. You will defend the Renegades of Wrestling Women's Championship against Delta. And it's worth saying to everyone at home, Delta is an absolute beast she's got height she's got size she's got muscle mass she's a you can't miss with her but for you this is who you've got to contend with when you defend your championship what words do you have for delta delta so when you see delta you obviously notice how much of a specimen she is how jacked she is how strong she is and yeah she's found a bit of success quite quickly but when I look at her, I see a giant meathead. Oh. She, she's dumb. She's really, really dumb. There's nothing going up in there besides maybe rage. And unlike her, I am intelligent, educated, which I can back up because I literally have a degree in business. And business, business is a war. It is a game of strategy. And I bring that into the ring. So Delta, you can recklessly swing your big, meaty arms at me, but I'll have a game plan. And you can try to pick me up and throw me across the ring, but I'll know how to get out of it. Because I don't care how big, how strong you are, how much muscle is in your body. Because the fact is, the fact that you don't have any brains the actual strongest muscle in the body, you won't be capable of beating me for the Renegades of Wrestling Women's Championship. And after I'm done with you, after I am done making a fool out of you, I will continue, forever continue, to be the first class champion. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Renegades of Wrestling and Moondog Brewery present Brewery Brawl on Sunday, May 21st at the Industreak in Coburg North here in Melbourne. Doors are at 3 p.m. Get there. It's going to be a phenomenal night. Aisha, 
Thank you very much. This has been a fantastic interview. And I was about to say good luck. It seems like you're not going to need it. it. I don't need it. I can't wait to see you walk out as champion. Thank you very much. Well, it's excellent to be welcoming another Queensland brewery into our Thursday night masterclass series. It feels like we've had a few lately, but that's been Mm. a really fun and exciting thing for us uh, to be able to talk to so many breweries from that wonderful, warm state while we're all here in cool, almost chilly Melbourne. Mr Warren Wu... Since we last spoke, I think about five editions of the podcast have come out, so I need to ask Warren Wu, how are you? I'm really good, David, yeah. It has been a, a fair while between drinks, yeah. I didn't, I'm, yeah, missing in action a little bit there, but hopefully hopefully, um, we can pick the ball up again and run with it. So, yes, how are you, David? Excellently well. We've uh, it's not, You haven't really missed that many Thursday nights. It's just that we've had a heap of Good Beer Week-related special edition podcasts. Thank you to everyone who's listened to those. And um, if you've missed them, go back and check it out. We've done about, well, I say we, I've done about 20 interviews in the last two weeks and lots of good fun things there that I will reference as the night goes on. But that means my voice is a little bit, you know, old and tired. So I'm going to handball straight away to you, Mr Wu, and you can get things underway with Christian from Your Mates Brewing. Hey, Christian, how are you going? Yeah, good, Warren. How about yourself? Yeah, good, good. Um, yeah, real, actually. No, terrific. Back, good to be back in the chair. Good to be meeting amazing beer people. Uh, yeah, terrific. So let's, let's kick it off really quickly. So your mates, sun, the Sunshine Coast, for all the people, especially our international listeners who don't know where the Sunshine Coast is, give us a picture of, of where you are in the world. Yeah, Sunshine Coast, um, small regional um, coastal area, um, you know, about uh, halfway down the east coast of Australia, uh, about an hour north of um, the capital of Queensland, Brisbane. Um, so, yeah, southeast Queensland. Um, yeah, we've got... 300,000 or so people there and, um, yeah, pretty temperate climate, um, although it's actually bloody freezing here at the moment uh, <laughs> um, for Sunshine Coast standards. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's where we... But that's uh, a, a really chilly 25 degrees Celsius yeah. or...? Yeah. Um, it's been, like, down to 10 um, at God, night. good Lord. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty that wild. is serious. Yeah, that's really serious. I just spent um, I just spent a couple of weeks in um, Thailand as well, where I grew very acclimatized to minimum of thirty, maximum of thirty three, one hundred and five percent humidity, oh. um, and then coming back to ten degrees being a cold shock. Yeah. What yeah. were you drinking in Thailand? Did oh, you Singer, singer, and more singer. Actually, I stumbled. We stayed in Koh Samui and stumbled across um, a little um, craft beer bar there um, in the Fisherman Village Markets and was drinking insanely fresh and flavoursome hazy beers. Um, I was just I was blown away. From uh, Thailand? Like brewed in Thailand? Yeah, yeah Thailand. Well, so the... I learned that I didn't know um, that you need to be um, 
You need to be brewing. Like there's basically, it's basically illegal to get a um, a license unless you're like one of the two family owned mega breweries there, or um, if you're a brew pub, you've got to be doing over two hundred thousand liters a year or something like that. So it's all of the craft beer gets made in Vietnam um, or the surrounding countries and imported back in. Like it was. Well, it does sound very much like like my life there. You're talking bowls clubs, you're talking being a school teacher, you're talking cheese, which is what I love to give away when I'm at bowls clubs. Uh, you've pretty much ticked every single box out of out of my life. You are the young, somewhat more bearded version of David. Oh, well, I feel very honoured. Feel very <laughs> honoured to uh, be bestowed with that, uh, mate. <laughs> You, I'm glad you took that approach. There were one of two ways that little line could have gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so recently, it's it's two really strange things have come up in uh, in our recent uh, Thursday night interviews. One is there's a fair few breweries on in the Sunshine Coast area, and two, a lot of them have been kicking around for quite some time. So you guys have been been around for almost 10 years. Is that, is that about ten, right? It's 10 years since we were sitting on the couch, um, naively um, <laughs> saying to each other, how hard could it be to start a brewery, um, which 10-year learning is, um, yeah, pretty bloody hard. But, um, yeah, we were kind of part of that first first wave of, of breweries on the on the sunny coast like i was saying it was it was us it was moffat beach it was brouhaha it was 10 toes um and at that stage there was like well there was one brewery on the sunshine coast the sunshine coast brewery they've been there for a long long time greg's a greg's a legend and and um it, it it's i don't again we've been asked this question so many times like what is it about the sunshine coast because we're now up to like oh, i don't even know it's like it's 20 20 something like wow, yeah. for, for 300,000 people, you know, it's not like, it's not a massive population. Um, but I guess it's a bloody thirsty population because they, just, <laughs> yeah, they, they seem to, um, they seem to just have an appetite for it. And um, yeah, I think the Sunshine Coast um, has matured a lot in, in that, in that period. Um, and it's kind of, it used to be really common that people didn't think there was opportunity to be had on the Sunshine Coast. It was kind of like, if you want to make something of yourself, you want to start a business, you want to um, kind of further your career, you've got to move down to Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Um, you can't do it here on the coast. And I think that that disappointed a lot of people here on the Sunshine Coast. And um, once they saw some examples of some businesses going, hey, no, like let's 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 do it here let's stay here why why the hell would we move when it's just such an awesome place um that it really like the people of the sunshine coast are like held on to us and they're like no we yeah we we really want to support these businesses because we don't want to see them go away we don't want to see people leave continue to leave sunshine coast and i think the whole sunshine coast craft beer industry has definitely benefited from such amazing local support yeah we just yeah like I said, very, very, very thirsty people if you're on the sunny coast. Well, it's, and it's good, it's good drinking weather most of the time when it's not 10 degrees as well. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only ten degrees like three days a year. So I mean, I'm not gonna not gonna complain about the weather here. It is the perfect um, beer drinking weather, and that's all we tried to do. We just tried to make the perfect um, the perfect sunny coast beer. Um, with so many breweries on the Sunshine Coast, how are there any ones that that you particularly think are really knocking it out of the park? Who's who's a couple that we should put on our wish list to really um, check out and 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 try? Uh, yeah, well, obviously, Moff is already on your radar. Amazing um, consistency and quality that come out of that, that mm. brewery. There, Maddie Wilson's an absolute legend. Um, and um, but if I was to say like some secret little hidden nugget, if you guys were to come up here on the Sunshine Coast, um, I would recommend to go to Mort's. Uh, Mort's is in Nambour, uh, which is um, like probably doesn't have the best reputation on the Sunshine Coast. Um, I don't know how to compare it to anything. It like it, it, it's just a yeah. It's not. It's not looked at as a kind of hub of culture, um, and 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 kind of create. Well, create. It, it it isn't looked upon as that, but there is amazing stuff that's going on there. It's like lots of record stores, like um, some really cool stuff happening art wise, and 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 Mort's is actually set up in a venue that we used to operate as our as, as our tap room. So underneath the an old pub an old commercial hotel there in Nambour we got an invitation to um to uh, very early on when we didn't have a tap room we were still contract brewing uh, we got an invitation to move in there and 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 use it as our tap room like it was basically um a cockroach storage facility um uh, previously and we were told that if you can clean it up you can pretty much have it for zero rent so we we got in there for a month or so with gurneys and masks and, and just sprayed the shit out of the place. Um, moved to cold room in there, um, which we were very ambitious. This is one of our cold room stories. We're very ambitious. <laughs> Purchased a cold room um, from someone on Gumtree. Uh, got on the back of a tilt tray, moved it there. And we were like, it couldn't be too hard to just like pull it apart and then reassemble it inside and um, we sat there for about an hour looking at all these pop rivets and kind of thinking, if we just write this label here and this label here, um, yeah, we gave up and called someone in who could actually do it. And, um, yeah, put a little cold room in there, direct pour taps through. Like, it's, it, it was literally a cave. Like, it was under the ground. There was spray concrete on the wall, which just had, like, obviously dirt on the other side, red bricks. Like, it's kind of something that you would imagine finding in like an alleyway or a laneway in Melbourne, um, but plonked in Nambour. Um, brilliant space, but, yeah, it was just tough up there in Nambour and we eventually moved out of there and um, and Jamie from uh, Mort's has, has moved in there and he's got a little, like, souped-up SS Brutech um, small batch system, makes, like, two kegs at a time and, um, yeah, he's pushing out some pushing out some really delicious beers. Well, shout out to him and um, particular style that he's making up there. What sort of, you know? Oh, um, a, a real mixture because he's just doing that one keg at a time. Um, he's always got a really diverse um, tap list going on up there. Yeah, no, it doesn't doesn't specifically hit any particular style. It's always it's always rotating. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that sounds yeah. amazing. It's good. It's really, it's like, it's, it's you can't even find it. Like, it's one of those, like, spots that was like, it was so hard to get, 
customers to come in there like because it's so awesomely hidden which is great in the you know great in the melbourne cbd but in the nambour area it was just like standing out the front going hey we're in here we're here we're here come in (laughs) you sounds like you what you really needed was one of those sort of giant flappy men that they have at used car lots or something like that you know just yeah yeah. Yeah, and we'd, we'd still have to have the thing like a kilometre away from us to actually get to anywhere that someone could see us. <laughs> I, um, I've probably done a Mr Warren Wu here, and what I've done is nearly drink all of the first beer that we're supposed to be discussing. So I feel yeah, like I was Warren, thinking, we need to get on to discussing the Yeah, we totally should. So Macca Lager or Macca's Lager? Macca Lager. Macca Lager, yeah. Ah, yeah, um, yeah, which is uh, a great opportunity to... Cracker Macca, pardon the pun. Nice, yeah. It's not something that we uh, put into the de- the design of the name or anything like that, but um, it works. It's good. Mm. Well, um, <clears throat> tell us about tell us about Macca. Um, for us, um, yeah, it was one of our. Uh, I think it was like the third or fourth um, beer that we we released. Um, and yeah, it was probably the most intimidating beer that I ever um, designed the recipe for. Um, obviously, being a lager, um, yeah, there's nowhere to hide around the flavour profile, and any faults in the beer come 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 really evident. And 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 I'm a self kind of self-professed um, like novice when I got into this. Like I. I we didn't have any, we didn't have any money at all when we started this brewery. Um, we both quit our full-time jobs. Um, I was teaching and Matt was um, project manager um, working in construction. And um, yeah, we both quit our jobs and started working at um, Matt's brother's bar. And um, during the night we'd work there and during the day we'd just dove into this whole beer thing and working out how we could do it. And um, yeah, I quickly I quickly took to the brewing side of things and, and Matt kind of was more suited to the business and marketing and branding stuff. And, um, yeah, I kind of, we didn't have any money to pay anyone else to brew. So, um, someone had to learn how to do it. And, um, yeah. Um, so when I finally went, finally got to the point where I was like, okay, let's, let's have a crack at a lager. Um, because that's kind of part of the philosophy and out of necessity was rather than just kind of entering the market with, with six beers, um, I'd, we, we always said we'd rather just do one beer, do it well, than, than have a range of six kind of okay beers. Um, if we're going to do something, we've we got to do it well. Um, so we started off with, with our pale ale, Larry. Um, Donnie was next. Um, um, Sally, our IP, IPA, was the, was the third beer, and then, and then Mac was the fourth one. And, um, yeah, it's... Um, Ultimately, the, the the brief behind it was the the ultimate um, the ultimate fishing beer. Um, out on the boat, as soon as you got a fish on, um, you're, you're smacking a macker. Um, yeah, it's it's. Does that mean you're not allowed to have one until you've actually got a fish on the hook? Because it yeah, like I mean, obviously, really obviously, of- yeah, obviously, depending on um, depending on how long that takes. Um, you know, hopefully that's pretty early in the day. Um, hopefully, you, hopefully you're cracking macas, you know, before eight o'clock in the morning. But um, sometimes the fish are not biting, and um, yeah, 
we, we don't mind if you if you still crack one early if you're um, if 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 there ain't no fish around. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's just it's 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 simple. It's beer. Um, yeah, delicate, refined. Um, yeah, just because it's simple doesn't mean it shouldn't have sort of like at least a complexity in terms of a of a lager to it. And we yeah, we really think that that um, that yeah, it's it's a delicious delicious lager. Eh? We really really love this beer. Is there something about it that you think makes it, you know, distinctively your mates? Is there something in there that's sort of got your stamp on it, or is it more just trying to make the style, you know, to to the style notes? I guess. Um. Yeah, something particularly your matesy about it. Uh, that's a that's a that's an excellent question. That's not definitely not something I've I've had asked regarding Macca before. Um. You know, at the premise with the premise with all of our beers is that they should be easy drinking but exciting and flavoursome, you know. And and I think that what we tried to do with Macca is obviously make it easy drinking, um, uh, which is generally a big um a big tick item big ticket item with it with a lager, but still um have enough flavour in there um to, to, to make it exciting for the drinker. Um and, and yeah, I think that I think that we've, um, I, I, yeah, I, I get that when I drink this beer. Yeah. Mm. Um, has it evolved? Like it's it's one of those lagers are one of those beers which are a brewers. It's a brewers beer because of the things you've you've discussed. Like it's you, there's nowhere to hide when it comes mm. to a lager. Um, has Macca evolved or grown or changed or, or yeah? yeah we, used to, uh, we used to we used to use um um oh shit the the number is is escaped me now. We 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 used to use a different yeast in it um when we mm-hmm. first um S well oh, fuck. Um I can't even think of it. I'm having a brain fart. But um but we yeah, we moved to like that more um, w thirty four seventy um, yeast, which is a, yeah a bit more of a pilsner type of um, type of yeast, and a little bit cleaner um, profile, and that's probably one of the main things that um, in the evolution of it um, that we've had. Um, always kind of oh, oh sorry, well pretty obvious evolution it's had. It, it we started off as a mid strength. Uh, yeah, right. It used to be three and a half percent when we first brewed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, we, we, we listened to our drinkers and they, they wanted more. Um, so yeah, we, we, we changed it to a 4.2%, um, which coincided with, um, when we released Eddie, which is, uh, our session, session XPA. So that's a three and a half percent, um, XPA. And, um, and we decided to, um, boost up Macca, um, a lot of, um, a lot of mad lager pissheads that um, follow us were pretty stoked on that. Was was the initial decision to make it that lot of thing a, a sort of a Queensland decision? That sort of you know that often people don't want that higher level of alcohol in an environment where it's hot and you're going to be drinking a few cans anyways. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a. I mean, yeah, it seems like it's a pretty Queensland thing that whole mid strength. It seems like a pretty Australian thing from what you hear. Um, from from kind of ABVs from around the world, in particular, anyone you hear that kind of visits America and just goes, mate, no such thing as a no such thing as a mid strength over there. They're like full strength is like 
six percent. So you know, um, yeah, it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty wild um, concept. And like when you kind of look back at the history of you know that mid strength style, and I guess where um, drink driving laws were introduced and things like that, it's it's kind of fun to start like to to think about how the kind of socio-political elements and, and historical things can then go and influence and like, you know, essentially Forex gold, you know, one of the mm. um, biggest volume beers in the, in the country kind of must've just, you know, that that's, that's kind of part of the reason that that, that beer exists. And um, yeah, we've got a certain geography for our country and, um, yeah, there's, there's so many different influencing factors that kind of contribute to what beers and what styles and what characteristics become, um, become popular. Um, just go jump in with a question for Mark, one of our regular, uh, one of our regular attendees in our Thursday sessions. Um, and this one's a good point. A lot of the time we ask our brewers if we should drag the dark ale out of the fridge a little early. Well, darker beers out of the fridge a little early. What do you think about, um, yeah, running out now? now? Yeah, yeah, I reckon that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, he, he definitely benefits from a little, little, little uh, warm up. Uh, mm. Yeah, I think now would be a would be a good time to get him out. Well, um, we can let people do that while we start to orientate ourselves, mainly because I've already finished the lager, towards the ginger beer. I think the first ever ginger beer we've spoken about on the show. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, interesting selection. Um, it's probably not something that, yeah, like a lot of um, like real hardcore beer drinkers probably gravitate to it's um like and and i'm gonna be straight um off the bat and like this is this is not a brewed ginger beer this is like um i guess what you would call an assembled beverage so we we take we take um ethanol and and a ginger um flavoring and concentrate and and water and some um, and some um, citric acid um, to to make this beverage. And I, uh, I, you know, like when you proposed that we look at chili, um, there was a moment where I was like, oh, maybe I'll push them over to you know, like one of the beers, you know, like. Um, but um, no, like I like it's not something that we shy away from, and it's um, it's definitely. Um, uh, a drink that we're super proud of. And I guess like it's kind of in that seltzer, seltzer vein as well. That That's kind of how a lot of those ones get made. And, um, and it was essentially something that when I first started making this beer, it was for the tap room. Um, and I did kind of say to my business partner, nah, we won't package this beer. It's not going to be something, it's not going to be something for us. Uh, we'll do it for the tap room, you know, cause we, we really value, um, being able to bring a group of people in and having something for everyone. Um, it's includes inclusivity. is just like one of our kind of top pillars, um, in the business and, and making sure when people come in there, um, that there, there, there is something for everyone. That was, that was the purpose of this beer at, at, in the beginning and just through sheer demand and the will of our, um, the will of our drinkers, they just love this ginger beer so much that they kind of like, I, I, I was like, 
I mean, like when 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 we heard when we got the fear. We got the feedback and the demand and like when it would take it to festivals and things like that and, and it would be such a such a huge seller in our tap room. Um, it really was a no brainer to 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 package the beer and, and release it out into the world. Do you think it's a particular like we obviously have ginger beers down here in Victoria, but I was part of the reason I thought let's talk about this one for something a bit different. Mm. Is it a style, not just the Seltzer version, but the the other versions? Are there a lot of ginger beers around the world or is that a particularly Australian thing and I guess a particularly Queensland thing? Yeah, I mean, I think it um, definitely suits the the warmer climate. Um, and, yeah, I think it's a, it's, it seems to be a growing category, um, the ginger beer. You know, you've got Stonewood released theirs recently. Um, oh, yeah, the guys at James Squire released one. Um, Brewdog, they just released one as well. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it seems like it's a growing category. Um, ginger is pretty like, you know, we've got the Budroom Ginger Factory up, um, up here in Queensland and, uh, on the Sunshine Coast in particular. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, ginger is pretty, it's a pretty international product, like, like ingredient and flavor. And it's not that strange to kind of, um, using a, using a product, but, um, but it seems to, seems to go hard up here. Um, and it just, yeah, again, people absolutely love, um, Tilly and she's got such a, such a good fan base. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I would say even back when I used to homebrew, I used to probably make more ginger beer and almost ginger ciders than I made beers in the end just because it was a something you couldn't get great examples of uh, when you were going and buying them at bottle shops. Mm. In summer, just, you know, you talk about oh. the uh, the macker is the one you'd have when you're out fishing. Ginger beers are almost those ones that I can consider cracking in the early afternoon rather than yeah. having to wait. And, um, yeah, no, it's, it's not a bad little drink to be having here of the dog. Um, if you've had a massive night on, on the IPAs and, um, you just go, oh, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can start with the beer this morning. You have one of these. Um, yeah, like that sweetness really hits the spot and you kind of go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I can, I can get back to the beer now. We went with a, we went with a 330 mil. Um, mm. and for this one too, that was the first time we've changed the size. Um, purpose being, we really like the 4% ABV on it. Um, and the 330 mil hits a one standard drink. Um, and we really found this beer smacks it out of the park at festivals, um, events and festivals. And a lot of those festivals up here, um, at times will have, regulations around like you can only serve one standard drink or whatever so um yeah that was that was the reasoning behind um reducing that size so we could get that one standard drink serving and something different and i think it's sort of fascinating to discuss and we'll discuss a bit more with the next beer as well those sort of regional differences in terms of what kind of drinks appeal to different parts of australia Mm. Perhaps we, Mr. Warren, we might move on a little bit to sort of some of the broader discussions there and, and talk about more of your journey and of both yourself and your, your brewing friends, uh, the rest of your mates, in terms yeah. of how all of this has actually happened, particularly 
and how it's all stayed together for 10 years. That's, you know, a bit like a band staying together for that length of time. It's a pretty amazing story. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, uh, uh, what we've achieved is just absolutely blown our expectations, our wildest expectations out of the water. Um, yeah, like the, from where we started in the garage to where we are now, um, it's, yeah, it's, we just pinch ourselves all the time, eh? Like we, we, we're making beer for a living and we're, we're we've got an amazing team of people, um, who we're employing, you know, we're, we're, we're provide we're helping them provide for their families and it's um yeah it's pretty special so, so let's go back to the garage mm. paint us a bit of a picture of what the garage was like uh you know who was knocking around in there and you know the kinds of conversations because so many of our listeners have those dreams they're either home brewers or they're you know they're desirous of starting a brewery i'm sure they have the same kind of conversations that you did sitting around in the garage yeah, well, that that was it. Uh, um, I I was renting uh, while I was teaching up in Milani, um, a little brick shit house um, unit. Um, and like when I say like we were neighbours with Moffat Beach Brewing, like you literally it was a twenty metre walk from our um, front door to the front door of their beachside um, cafe where they set up their original uh, brew pub. Uh, like we're I would stumble, stumble home um, after a night on the Iggy's um, with Maddie there. So, um, yeah, it's um, I had a spare room um, and I knew Matt. Uh, we had kind of friends of friends. We were kind of acquaintances. And, um, yeah, he moved in and we just instantly hit it off. Um, and we were both in a situation where... Uh, we were looking to do something different with uh, with our lives. We we weren't we weren't frothing on what we did, uh, which is kind of something that we kind of have in our in our values at the company now. Is like we like to make sure everyone is you know frothing on what they do um, at your mates. And I certainly was not frothing on what I did, going to school and and getting cop and shit from ten year olds um, <laughs> day by day. Um, being a primary school teacher is, is bloody great when you're on holidays, um, and that's probably the only time that it's really that much fun. Um, and um, and yeah, Matt was Matt was in the same position. Um, we we caught the bug hard. Like we were drinking these beers from de- like you know we were drinking four pine stone and wood mountain goat and just being blown away by this beer with flavour that we we just didn't yeah we had. We, it was just so exciting and we thought, hey, there's no one here in the Sunshine Coast. And there's also kind of no one like what we saw as brewing a beer for us um, that was kind of, you know, taking beer seriously but maybe having a bit more fun with it and kind of representing that real Sunshine Coast lifestyle and adventuring um, kind of stuff that we we really enjoyed as well in that camping and fishing and surfing Um things that we we did with our with our time and um yeah as we as i said before we famous famously said um how hard could it be to start a brewery oh because because yeah no sorry that was right we were actually looking at starting a craft beer bar to begin with um and and we both pretty heavily involved in events like i used to dj and matt used to run some parties as well and we kind of thought well instead of um 
instead of like we knew all the people who ran all the bars on the coast and it was like instead of like going into competition with these guys like maybe we could make these guys our customers and 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 start making the product and 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 using that network that we've got to kind of get get a foot off the ground and um yeah so we started the scrapyard bar we cobbled together what money we had and and um made a little three-tier um gravity fed exactly what you see in the homebrew um books and pictures like plastic vessels with like Kmart kettle elements removed from them and like foot installed <laughs> into them that like when I like look back on like when I think about the workplace health and safety stuff I have to deal with now and then I look back at what we were doing then I was just like whoa man that was that was wild. <laughs> you survived to tell the tale quite clearly. Oh we survived we survived to tell the tale. Um like maybe 18 months it took us before we um had our first beer ready to actually um sell um and um yeah that was that was really good it took us a while to to learn how to like do all the mechanics and 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 like obviously make a beer that actually we were proud of and, and happy to sell which gave us a whole heap of time to brainstorm like what 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 the hell we wanted to call the brewery what we wanted the brewery to represent what do we want the brewery to look like and the all that kind of thing that like i think sometimes um if you rush that stuff um you can make them you can fuck it up pretty easy um and ultimately like it's, it's like that's what like what are you what are you doing if you don't have like that kind of stuff pretty pretty solid um and so yeah like we've got notebooks and notebooks filled with shitty brewery names that's for sure (laughs) can you share a couple with it was there well well, the commonwealth we were like we we ended up opening an account at some stage with the commonwealth bank just when we needed to have a bank account and um like even like it was only like two years ago that we managed to get them to change the like they would address all of our statements to Salty Dog Brewers, PTYLTD. Um, and like it just like every month we get this statement that says to Salty Dog Brewers, PTYLTD. And we, every month we'd be like, fucking lucky we didn't call ourselves Salty Dog Brewers. That's <laughs> <laughs> a shocker. Uh, but like we was like, we had like red brick brewing. It was like, um, oh man, it was just. Yeah, just you, you name it, we, we kind of thought of it and, and scratched it down. And um, it was actually Old Mates Brewing that we stumbled upon. Um, it, was, it, was, it was Matt, my business partner, that stumbled upon that. And we were like, oh, yeah, Old Mate, you know, like Old Mate, he's, you know. Like we thought that, that's, that's a great name. Um, we, we really connected with it. Um, it was trademarked. And we looked it up and it was trademarked by some wine distributor down in um Adelaide we called them up and they're like oh yeah like we'll we'll get back to you with a with a number and and we'll sell it to you and like if <laughs> oh man we got no money like back in these days like when we started the brewery like I um I had like I had a personal loan for a shitty old like 2002 Ford Falcon wagon like oh we were in no kind of financial position to be like buying a trademark of someone <laughs> and we're going, well there, there goes that name and um and then we thought hey what about your mates that's like fuck that's even better like your mates like way better than old mates and um 
yeah, yeah, just clicked. And then pretty soon after, like, we were like, hell, we could make the beers. Like, yeah, like our friend, we like our friends are pretty, like, you know, um, like they're not, they're not the typical craft beer um, target audience or consumer. And, you know, they would say to us that, like, oh, you know, like, because we, we were just getting so excited and we're trying to share it with our friends. And they're just like, oh, like, what is this shit? You know, like, doesn't make sense to me. And, like, we really kind of saw that as like, I know that as a business proposition. I've been that through through that many that experience many times when you try to explain what you're trying to do and no one else gets it. Don't worry about yeah, that. We just thought that it was the issue was it was it was just intimidating and people didn't understand it. And we thought, well, maybe we can solve that issue by instead of really focusing on the style names, which can be a bit foreign to people, is we can give these beers personalities and names and like instead of yeah. Like, I mean, it's pretty obvious now when you look at it, instead of uh, an, an IPA, it's a Sally or instead of a Paler, it's, it's just Larry. And, um, yeah, f- yeah, we went through that phase, started selling the beer. Um, and when we finally did, like, we, we, we kind of got to a – we got the Pale Ale to a level that we we're happy to start doing some, like, testing in the market. And then when we finally got to that position, we were like, like okay, this – we're happy with this we're happy with this flavor profile this recipe then we 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 launched larry and it was like it was just incredible how how the kind of the pickup was as soon as we changed that from just your mates pale ale to your mates larry and 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 ever since then like i mean larry is just like taken on an absolute life of his own he's his own he's his own man like he's 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 like, you know, he's bigger than he's bigger than Matt and myself, that's for sure. Is that fun to sort of see how it's gone how he's gone out into the world and sort of become his own thing? Is that sort of like genuinely? Oh, it's, that- still, it's still the most humbling thing that this business has, has been able to bring me in particular as the like I learnt how to make beer developing the recipe for Larry. And like when I see people drinking that beer, enjoying that beer in our tap room at at the surf club in Coolum or seeing someone cracking a tinny at a barbecue or something like that. And it, it, man, it's, there's nothing more special um, than, than that feeling. It's, it's, it's just incredible. I love this because I feel like we've got both ends of the continuum. You've, you've used the phrase, how hard could it be a few times? And I know that's exactly <laughs> what goes through the heads of every home brewer thinking about, well, I'm already making this much beer. All I've got to do is make, you know, five times as much and every week and I'll be right. But you've also got that genuinely fantastic experience at the end of what happens when you do crack that nut eventually. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Like, it's just, oh, man, it's just, you know, like it's, there's a lot of kind of doom and gloom in 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 the kind of industry at the moment and like in terms of like, hey, like should you, should all these breweries be opening? And it's kind of like, you know, even if you tell, like someone who's passionate and who someone wants to see that and, and, and has it in them and like wants to do that, like you can tell them as much as you want. It's going to be fucking hard and there's going to be nights where you're just like sitting in, bar, sitting in a bar in Nambour at 9.30 at night serving some like drunk Darrow's going like, if I didn't need this like $7 that you're about to pay me for this beer so badly, I would actually close this and like, kick you out 
I understand. There's, there's those, Warren understands. Yeah. We've been there's, there for, you know, there's, those, there, there's those moments, but also, like, again, like, it wouldn't, you, if it's in you and you need to get that out of you, and that's like, it, there's nothing anyone can say. Um, and mm. you just, you just have to, you just have to do it and experience it. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but it's always, um, it's always you that have done it uh, and you that have kind of made those mistakes or, or made those triumphs. That is so true. The number of people have had to talk out of opening a hospitality business <clears throat> and they haven't listened um, is remarkable. It is massive how many people don't. Yeah, we're just, you can't, you can't. That's when you can't reason. Yeah. You, can't reason. you can't reason with something. Yeah, you know. someone that is like, oh, I just want this. I want yep. this badly, and you know, yeah, that's that's um, <laughs> that's just. And you want them to kind of succeed and do it because, like, you want them to have the great feeling. But a lot of the time, it's just like, oh, there's a world of pain. Like, who was one of our breweries? It was one of the San. Uh, it was one of the San Diego guys. It's like one of the breweries near them burnt to the ground and they'd ask them like they'd ask the story came up that if they were to start again from scratch would they and the answer was an absolute no like it was like starting from scratch but since I'm here and since I've done it it would it's just been the best thing in my life which is a weird, weird paradox. Yeah, 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 100%. One of the questions I want to quickly ask, we might take a break and move on to the next beer after this. I think the, the ginger beer has been delicious, by the way. Um, so there's lots of breweries out there where a couple of blokes, a couple of mates who have thought that brewing is a brilliant idea have got out and, and, and kind of done it. Not all of them have got a vision statement and a belief and a set of beliefs. And I'm really interested in this as kind of a little bit of a, a businessy type thing. What drove you to, to develop a vision statement and the idea that, that what you do makes you froth and, and, and your beliefs? Um, yeah, that's a really interesting question um, and, and, and really probably a pertinent question, in fact, timing-wise, we literally sat like we literally had a huge, a day, a full day session yesterday. Um, we've, we've, we've hooked up with um, a guy called Ben Summons. So he was, um, he was CEO of Stone and Wood um, for about four years. So he sat above the, the three founders there. Um, and um, he's, he's since left the business and um, we've kind of been using him as a bit of advi- an advisor and, and we we did we've we have had like a mission and vision mission statement and vision um and some kind of pillars around values and things like that um but he he's he's been helping us kind of refine those and and, and like i i mean like the you, i don't know if you i don't know where you've read the the previous mission statement or the vision or whatever um and it was kind of just like off the cuff it was just something that kind of made sense to us and 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 you know we we went from three we went from me matt doing everything for like four years um 
and and having one part-time salesperson um, to when we when we built the brewery in 2019 like went from contract brewing um, raised a million dollars um, and built our dream brewery what we thought was our dream brewery in 20, 2018 2019 um, within like within like three months we've gone from two and a half staff including ourselves to like 30 staff and it was just like an exponential growth in terms of team. We're up to like 60 full-time staff now. And it's just like one of those things that like we've just had to learn quickly. And I guess like the hard way that you like, you do need something for everyone to kind of get around and you need like, it's, it's, it's no longer like, and you know, like it's no longer the Matt and McGarry, like people call me my, my last name. Um, quite quite commonly it's no longer the matt and mcgarry show like we've got we've got this full team now we need to kind of like to achieve any of the goals that we have like we need to help them achieve their goals and we need to all get on the same page and it's um yeah it's 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 something that in particular i think the acceleration the learnings were accelerated through covid um and going from having 30 staff standing them all down within like a space of two or three weeks and then kind of bringing them back after what was it called job seeker or job keeper or whatever that was. And like, that was like, it was just, it was just a pretty um, insane um, few years of like, you know, we were like, Hey, we're growing pretty like well here and things are going really kind of good. And, like, you know, this is the first business that, that either of us have ever been in, let alone run. And, um, and then to have all that happen. And we just learned like the value of the team and the value of, um, you know, you know, getting everyone together and getting everyone kind of working together towards a kind of, um, a shared, a shared goal and vision. And like, and previously it was, it was our vision and it was our mission. And, and, and that's what Benny's been helping us do is like bring our leadership team into that conversation. And we've like redeveloped our, our, our mission and vision. And like, like essentially what we've, what we've come to realize is that what we like, what your mates exist for is to, is to provide opportunities to connect people like that is what beer is about for us it's not about like we love good beer we love flavorsome beer we love exciting beer and well-made beer but what is what is the point of drinking beer if it's not to connect people and to and to come together share experiences create memories create new make like new friendships and 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 celebrate old friendships and and that's um, that's been really kind of um, awesome experience, and it's um, and it's yeah, it's very very exciting um, to kind of um, to be looking at those those types of things like mission statements and, and visions and values and things like that. It's um, yeah, it's 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 it. We've again, like I said before, we've gone from three people to sixty people in in four years, and we're now at the point of the business where there's more time that we've had more people like that. We we're now more of the time the business existed has been as a team, not just me and Hep or me and Matt kind of 
out the back of the Ford Falcon slinging kegs and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like now it's kind of like, wow, like we've, we've, we've definitely kind of got to that point where it's like a shared experience and um, yeah. And that's, and I guess like, again, that's what mates, your mates, mateship. It's, it's really all about, Uh, I'll probably, um, probably going on now, but like, yeah. Well, I reckon that's a, that's a ripper point to uh, to end up this bit of the uh, the podcast on it's a great question Warren that's a, a really great and insightful answer Christian this is where officially we're wrapping up one part of the podcast that's the end of episode 177 for everyone who's listening in the podcast version uh, but there's more of this conversation to come. We're going to have a little break live in the Zoom room, but the next part, if you're listening in the podcast, you'll find in episode 178. So if you're enjoying where this is going, we've got some more great questions to go. We've got some more great Your Mates beers to enjoy. Uh, Thank you for listening to episode 177, and uh, let's have a little pause of the record.